Hey, in the episode, we talked, there's a scene in this new episode of Loki where in the background, you can hear a character whisper something. We don't know who it is, but they say something. We talk about it in the episode, but I just wanted to make sure that I actually played the audio clip at the end of the episode. So when you listen to us talk about it, just know that I did tack on that audio of what you hear in the episode at the end of this particular podcast episode. So you will be able to hear it. And I kind of cleaned it up a little bit. So um, I kind of amplified it a little bit. That way you could hear it a little bit better. Trust me, it's still hard to hear, but um, I did uh, I did tack it on at the end of the episode. All right, enjoy. This was something I could never have seen coming. It was really helpful to listen to Tom talking about the mischief because she's another version of Loki. But it was important to make sure she was unique because she's Sylvie. She's not Loki. What exactly makes a Loki a Loki? Independence, authority, style. Awful friend. Loki comes face to face with Sylvie and wants to know more. Few questions. You're in my way. The audience will be intrigued by Sylvie's arc and the backstory. It really just sets the groundwork for this character. The universe wants to break free, so it manifests chaos, like me. Sylvie is going to leap into the MCU with extraordinary energy. People are going to love it. Expect the unexpected. Bonus episode. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about It's a trap. Good and toss it, good and Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, push over. Pop culture. Leftover. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Culture leftovers. Hey, welcome back to another Loki bonus episode. This one was, uh, what was it called? The Nexus Event? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Jake's here. Also joined by Tristan. Welcome, Tristan. Hello. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Talking about Loki. Talking about Loki. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this one. Um, I, you know what? Fuck it. We have a rating system. Let's rate this one. Let's rate it from the beginning. I want to know a little bit of your thoughts and uh, your rating on this episode. Here's our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. I'm just going to start off and say this is my favorite episode of the whole series. I mean, I don't know, like... If it's going to get any better than this for Marvel TV, like this, I honestly, I think that even out of WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier, I, this episode eclipses anything I feel like they've ever done Mm. on any of those two other series. Like as far as just like my pure entertainment and, Mm. and enjoying the episode and everything that happened. I, I thought it was, I mean, from acting from top to bottom, 
from everybody. Like Gugu Mbatha Raw was amazing. Owen Wilson was amazing. Hiddleston was amazing. Everybody. Um, uh, just, just incredible episode. And uh, just written very well. I think this is my favorite episode of Marvel TV that we've had yet. So I give it the, uh, the highest of Tupperwares. I loved episode four. I thought that this was, was fan fucking tastic. So yeah. Uh, Jake, what'd you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. This was an absolute Tupperware and I, I also agree that this was the best episode. You know what's crazy is, um, I tried to avoid social media before watching the episode, but I was on break and I was on Twitter and like, fuck, you know, but I didn't get any spoilers, but I saw a couple like review articles, one from IGN and one, one from another outlet and both kind of had the same headline where they're like, Loki episode four kind of spins into place. Like they made it seem like this was going to be an episode where it was just, status quo a little bit of a character piece and so i went into this episode thinking okay this is the episode where not much movement is going to happen and that almost like accelerated how much i enjoyed this episode it was crazy i was like (laughs) i went back to read those articles after after watching the episode and it's like they watched a different fucking episode I, i don't understand how you could watch this and claim it was a just wheel spinning in motion episode i i thought this episode moved the story along more than any of the previous episodes. So. I, I I saw the rating for IGN. Whoever wrote the article was like a five out of ten, and it's it, it contradicts everything that the fans are feeling about this episode. I, I don't know what's going on over there at IGN with that five out of ten. Like, did somebody yeah, did somebody's theories not turn out to be true and their little butt hurt or something? Like, I don't I don't understand what the five out of ten is. Yeah, it was a fucking fantastic episode like yeah. and here's the thing it's like you've got and that what i uh, first off what i love about this about the fact like you know i come in last week i've got this whole theory about like oh we're i think that you know loki's enchanted her and all this stuff and it's like none of that is true and it's like man that, that's what i kind of loved about this episode was the fact that like it totally did this swerve uh, everything that I had thought about in the previous episode is kind of thrown out. And then, like, this episode has also thrown out a bunch of other theories that I had. And, it, Jake, I'm actually back to my original theory from episode one. I had two theories, and I'm back to, like, my OG theory on what this could be. But we'll get, we'll talk about that later in the in the episode. But we've got Michael Waldron here, you know, like, behind this show, uh, you know, doing a lot of this show. And this guy's from Rick and Morty. So, of course, there's going to be many twists and turns throughout this. So, yeah, Tristan, what did you think about uh, episode four? Well, I think a five out of ten rating is horseshit. This is a Tupperware for me. It was um, definitely the best episode of Loki for me. I don't know if I would rank it as the best Marvel uh, episode that we've had thus far because I'm very, very uh, partial to the penultimate episode of WandaVision. I love that episode so much that I think it was like episode eight or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I also loved episode four of Falcon and the Winter Soldier as well. Um, but I would definitely say that this is like top two, you know, if not the best episode of Marvel television um, after all is said and done so far. So, yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fantastic fucking episode. Um, yeah. A, a lot to... A lot to talk about, a lot to unpack with this episode. And yeah, I mean, I was, oh man, it, it just, it really felt last week that 
you know, and, and then that's, that's the thing. You're, you're watching a show called Loki. And so you're always thinking that there is going to be kind of like this, this deception, this enchantment, this, you know, lies and, and, um, man, you know, it, this episode itself kind of like opened up to the fact that it really doesn't have to be that way with Loki. It really doesn't have to be that way. I mean, that is a part of Loki, but it doesn't really have to be that way. And, that's why, I mean, that's why I think a lot of, you know, a lot of different people were thinking, like, there's some enchanting going on in the last episode, and, like, you know, one of these Lokis is going to pull the rug out from the other one, and just, you know, we got Loki deceiving her, and, you know, this is, and then, you know, you know giving her to the TVA, none of that happened. <laughs> no, and, almost the opposite with kind of what's revealed in this episode, that they, you know, kind of have big type feelings or that's what i'm saying like th- that's what i'm saying like it's it's the anti of what everyone expects from a loki jake as viewers last week we were all episode one mobius all of us and yeah. i'd say most people that were watching this show jake were episode one mobius on how we look and view loki to the point where we're basically saying, okay, well, this Loki's enchanting this Loki. This is not really happening. Something's going to happen in the next one. There's going to be a big twist, blah, 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 blah. This episode pulled the rug out from everyone that thought that way about Lokis and basically said that that is not 100% the destiny for all Lokis. Lokis, yes. <laughs> Lokis... Loki's, they all do lie. They all do this. They all do that. They've all backstabbed. But that doesn't have to be your destiny as a Loki. I mean, it, you know, th- that doesn't have to be everything. And so do you think the possibility of Loki still not showing us all of his cards is not something that's going to happen? Like, do you think that there's a possibility that maybe in the next episode that we do find out that, you know, not all is as it seems that he was. The god of mischief all along. No, no, I mean, he is the god of mischief, but I think like if, he, if anything, he's gonna use like, he's gonna use this mischief and what he, he's gonna use this to basically like that final moment with Thanos in Endgame where it's like it's down to the fucking wire and like he's at the last minute he's gonna try to stab Thanos. He died, but he did the right thing, man. He was fucking doing the right thing. I think like this Loki, you know, we're looking at like 2012 Loki, and that was 2018 Loki in Endgame. We're looking at 2012 Loki basically going on this kind of like character journey and self-discovery that it took that other Loki six years to go down. And I think that... Yeah, he got the crash course. Yeah, crash course. And I think that this Loki, honestly, like, if he is going to be doing anything deceptive from this point on, it's going to be to whoever's behind the TVA. And I think that he's built up kind of like, um, not, not to go like fast and furious, but he kind of built a family here. I think I feel like that. I feel like, I feel like he's, he cares for Mobius, man. He was crying after we saw what happened to Mobius in this episode. He was also, uh, crying about, you know, Sylvie worried about Sylvie. Um, I really, I really don't think that, I think that there has been some some big time change uh, for yeah. the character here. So that's that's yeah, my definitely feelings. a lot of concern. Um, I mean, Tittleson, you could see it in his face—the concern and love that he had for uh, 
for Mobius and, and Sylvie whenever they're in peril. Even just little subtleties like during the fight um, towards the end, you can see him like looking over to see if she's okay. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Yeah. That walk, like after Mobius is pruned, that walk through the hallways, you just see he's sulking, his shoulders are slouched, he just looks defeated. And it's like, yeah. it's a real thing. Like, I think that, um, I, I think they kind of like, there, there's that moment when Mobius says something like, you know, if anybody ever told you that you couldn't, you know, change that you're, this is blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, I wanted to tell you that, you know, that's, that don't believe that, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, but, right. but that was him in the first episode. And that was all of us. I think all, most viewers, as we've been watching this show, have been watching it through. We love Loki. We love this character, but we've all been watching it through like his like through that Mobius lens of like this guy's gonna backstab you. This guy's you know the, you got two Lokis working together. Uh, are they working against each other? Uh, is one enchanting the other? Fact of the matter is, they fucking they started falling in love, and it would had nothing to do with double crossing each other and shit. So. Um, yeah, let's start from the beginning of this episode. I know we've kind of like dove in a little bit, but, um, start from the beginning of the episode. We see, we see a young Sylvie and she's playing with toys. She's playing with a Valkyrie and, um, Valkyrie is, uh, fighting a dragon. And, um, then all of a sudden the TVA show up. It's a flashback to when, um, Ravonna Renslayer was a hunter uh, and she was Hunter A23, and she is brought into the TVA. So she's she's a threat. They view this little girl as a threat, and they bring her into the TVA. Into the TVA. Question: Why would the TVA take away young Sylvie when she is just playing with toys and in this moment has not created a Nexus event? Hmm. Maybe she's just too much of a variant. Maybe at this point they're just hunting Loki's down. I was thinking that um, they made a lot of emphasis in those couple early scenes showing that she was good hearted. That's it. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. They were showing that um, she was, you know, cheering on the, the Valkyries, um, saving Asgard. And and she also had a lot of concern for that guy that was being abused in the, uh, in the TVA. Yeah. Um, you know, she she had concern for him. So I think just the fact that it was a Loki that had a heart. Yes. And is not the driving force that um creates chaos that's a hundred percent yeah that's a i agree with you a hundred percent and it goes i mean it you've got her playing with the toys and she's playing with them as if she's the hero she's not playing like a villainous character she lets the hero win and and i think this kind of like goes against everything that the other lokis do you know the lokis have this kind of role uh, that in, in any timeline, they all, they all play the villain and they all die prematurely. And this is, I think whoever's running the TVA sees this Loki as a huge threat against their sacred timeline because this Loki sees themselves as a good person with a heart, a hero. Cue Bonnie Tyler. I'm saying, like, I really feel like that's what the big threat to the TVA was here. She didn't create a Nexus event in this. I just think that, I just think that they had their eye, they have their eye on Lokis and all Lokis have to do, all Lokis in all timelines 
play this villain role and they all die prematurely. This one was going against the the nature of a Loki. I'm and, just kind of confused as to why they grabbed her at that moment, though. You know, like it was like, why do you, why do you wait until she's what ten years old or so to take her? Uh, I I don't know. I mean, I guess they 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 kind of just let it play out. It doesn't make like it doesn't make sense. Like, I guess we could ask the question of like, if you could go back in time and kill Hitler, you know, as a baby, blah blah blah. Like yeah. that doesn't make. It, if we're just from a writing perspective, it just makes sense for us to see a little bit of her character at the age of 10. Yeah. You know, and to and like, I guess, I don't know. It, it's kind of fucked up to just bring a baby in and prune a baby. Is that what you're asking? <laughs> no, just usually they show up when you do something that kind of fucks up the timeline. Right? That, yeah. That's what this is. Like, what? That's what this does. It's it. She did not create a Nexus event. They are just there. I believe they're just watching Lokis and this Loki was supposed to, when they bring in these Lokis, these Lokis, they, they bring them in and they, it's because they've messed with the timeline. They've created a Nexus event, blah, 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 blah. And the other Lokis that they aren't bringing in, they just, you know, they're the villain. They die prematurely, whatever. This one, just this one, they are just monitoring this Loki. She has a good heart and she's a, she wants to be a hero. She wants to be good. And you can't, I don't think that whoever's behind the TVA can have, does not want a Loki with a good heart to... To be to to exist, I think it's counterproductive for whoever's behind the TVA. If this because Loki's, in my opinion, have been causing um, problems uh, for whoever's behind the TVA, and that's a hundred percent. I think backed up by the end of this episode when we basically see them all kind of like in this bottled world that they've been in after they get pruned. Yeah, why not? I mean, if you can go anywhere, anytime as the TVA, though, did they just get cocky or loose by going when they went? I mean, couldn't they have just gone and plucked her while she was sleeping rather than risk her getting the, the temp pad and escaping and causing all this chaos? Is it just, you know, hindsight that they I don't have done that? I don't think getting her while she's sleeping is going to, I don't, I mean, you're going to. I guess you're just talking about going in there and pruning her as she's sleeping. They have this whole. Just a more compromised time than than when they went. I suppose I don't I don't see a problem with how they did this. I think it was set up really well. They just go in there at this certain time. They pull her out. They're going to take her through the entire same process that they put our first Loki in, which I thought like when we first watched it. It seems like really not fun for Loki, but fun for us to like watch what the TVA does, the, you know, the goings on in the TVA. And then when I watched it this time and they brought her into the TVA, it's a young girl. And now that I feel like they're, you know, the TVA is kind of like the big bad villain here, you know, the actions that they do. Not everybody that works with the TVA is bad, but um, just like what they do, it just felt really cold putting this young girl through the same process that Loki did. I guess I don't understand kind of like, it's just, you know, they're just the TVA. They're the timekeepers. I don't, uh, they're, they, they just pulled her out of that time. I don't think they care about like, I don't think they were really too worried about this young girl. 
they underestimated her and even thinking that she would pull such a like a heist like that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, she's a young girl and I, you know, I know she is a Loki, but I mean, but she was able to do what like it feels like what none of the other Lokis had been able to do. Like when they get them into the custody, they get pruned and we basically at the end, I know we only saw a few, but from future trailers, we've seen more Lokis. Um, so I think the rest of them have kind of just been caught and in custody somewhere, wherever these Lokis get pruned go to. We'll talk about that later, but, uh, she's kind of like, kind of reminds me of like, you know, like the last episode, I didn't mention it, but yeah, there were some people were comparing the episode to, you know, there was like alien Easter eggs in it. Like there was a couple of the guards, uh, on Lamentus that were, one was named Hicks and the other's name was, I can't remember, but it's basically two characters from the, from aliens. Uh, you know, the, the James Cameron sequel to aliens. They were named after a couple characters from aliens. This episode reminded me, she reminded me of Newt from aliens, the little girl yeah. had been living there, totally. surviving. Uh, and you've got the, you know, the TVA or the aliens trying to kill this little girl, but this little girl, you know, all these adults were on this ship and they all died, but this little girl survived. She's found a way to survive. And that's how I feel like Sylvie was, uh, throughout this whole process. I love the beginning. I didn't, I didn't try to nitpick it or like not nitpick it. I guess like trying to find the holes of like why they picked the wrong time. I just, I just thought it was, no, no, it's nothing I thought about until just kind of digging into it now yeah like it was never a distraction while watching the episode yeah yeah i have no issue with how it started it was great i i'm just trying to figure out how it works when they pluck you is it like when you start something or is it just in in, in, honestly in this moment i in this moment i don't think she did a damn thing i think that they had monitored her monitored her and they realized that she's got a good heart and they're just going to take her she's alone She's alone. There's no one else around. She's playing with her toys. This is a good time to grab her. I mean, maybe other times she was with people or something, but she's alone. Let's grab her. It's a grab and go. And so I, I just, in this particular instance, I think when, when the, when we first see the TVA show up and get Loki, it's like they're telling him, you know, you have committed crimes against the sacred. They never told her what her crime was, and I don't think she ever did commit a crime. Yeah, and they were reluctant to tell her, too, when she asked yeah. uh, uh, Rensselaer at the end. I don't think she ever committed a crime. <laughs> I don't think she did a damn thing. She kind of, She's the kind of like, she goes against the grain. She's kind of like the anti-Loki, and kind of proves to Loki that, you know, like, I mean... That he, you know, that he doesn't have to be like this. Like, it, that's not the way it has to be. Let's get into the episode a little bit more. Um, Renslayer. Yeah, I did think, I don't know what you guys thought, but watching this little girl go through the whole process, it didn't seem kind of like light and fun as it was the first time with Tom Hiddleston's Loki. No, it really painted the TVA as villains. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you see someone that's defenseless um, going through that process, whereas, you know, um, you know, Loki just murdered, you know, thousands of people in New York and has all these abilities. So, you know, you don't feel 
he's in any real threat or danger. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to see this little girl going through it, you see that the TBA is not the moral authority that we thought they were. Yeah. Um, Renslayer, Ravona Renslayer meets uh, the timekeepers, and it's just a real quick shot. She goes in there, and we see them kind of like in the shadows in the back. And then, I don't know, there's these red glowing lines and symbols all over the room. And um, people are speculating that maybe it's like the the runes that we saw in WandaVision. I'm not buying it. I just think it's like a cool kind of, you know, aesthetic for the room. Um, and I understand like, oh, those runes allow it so that like, you know, only the magic user that created the runes can use the magic. But I, I just think it looks cool here. I don't think these are WandaVision runes. So. Well, they do have to have some sort of explanation as to why the magical characters can't use their, their, uh, their powers. Sure. And I think like going back to like the first episode, I was kind of like, I had two theories I had. Okay. We're either in the quantum realm with Kang. Or it's old Loki, and old Loki has figured out a way to, you know, um, take care of people's magic powers and and in this and wherever he wherever he has these people. Um, I I'm back on the I'm back on the Kang train right now, and this could be the quantum yeah. realm. And the reason and one of the reasons that I thought like you know, of course we've got Ravana Renslayer who like in the comics. They, you know, they, she's the love interest of Kang. So I kind of figured like, you know, in the first episode when we talked about this, I was like, if, if Renslayer's involved, Kang might not be too far behind. It just makes sense if you're using that character. Why use that character? And like, um, we know that when the snap happened and half of humanity was taken, half of the universe was taken Scott Lang was unharmed. Scott Lang was in the quantum realm. And so it doesn't a hundred percent prove that it was because of the quantum realm that he wasn't taken, but on the flip side, it doesn't disprove it. So you can go with that theory that in the quantum realms, the stones have no power. So all those stones in the fucking drawer have no power in there in the quantum realm. Makes sense. Um, yeah, all the signs are uh, leading to Kang, and you know, but you can't help but think about WandaVision and all the different hints and things they drop towards Mephisto just to kind of sure. lead us astray. I know. So I wonder if a lot of the, you know, the, the blatant ties to Kang is just trying to throw us off the track, and we won't actually see him until Ant Man. I'm sure. This reminds me more of the blatant ties to Agatha Harkness that WandaVision had, though, and then that ending up to be true more than the Mephisto yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's true. Um, let's see here. In the episode, we're then um, back on Lamentus, and uh, Lamentus wants Sylvie and Loki are. Um, sharing a moment and basically, you know, he, he has this talk with her about how amazing she is and how, you know, she's been running from them since she was a little girl and she's lasted this long and, and all this stuff. And, uh, 
then they then they look each other, into each other's eyes and they touch and it just creates this uh nexus event unlike the TVA has ever seen before and they're like have you ever seen a branch like that they've never seen a branch like this um i also want to point out before i forget that later in the episode mobius is talking to loki after it's all kind of like revealed that you know, the TVA's bullshit and plucked him out of his time after he's figured everything out. He looks at Loki and he tells him that we need to get you two back together because what you two shared, if we could recreate that Nexus event, it could take down the TVA. Did you get, did you catch that? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy that that, I mean, and their love is what saved their lives. I mean, had they not had that romantic connection, they wouldn't even have alerted the TVA and been saved in the first place. But yeah, they're, it seems like there's some kind of power between the bond that those two share that, that could overthrow the TVA by the end of the day. Yeah. yeah, He specifically said like something about like the two of you need to get back together because that next, that, that nexus event you created could take down the entire TVA. Like, okay. Are we certain that the love was the nexus event? Their love? A hundred percent. I'm a hundred percent convinced. I'm a hundred percent convinced. And so the thing that I'm confused about is weren't they just about to die? So how would that change anything if they, if they did fall in love right before the planet blew up? It created that because that I, it's like, it's not trying to explain. I don't think it's trying to explain this science. Like everybody, it's like, dying for this the science behind this like how does that do it's fucking love <laughs> and everybody's trying to put this science behind it and it's like that it everybody turned into fucking spock after this fourth episode of fucking loki and they need logic you can't that's not how we were told it works that's not how nexus this is an apocalyptic event and you can't do that can't we just believe that some fucking magic happened between these two they, they fell in love and they fucking created a nexus event it's not supposed to happen two lokis are not supposed to meet they're not supposed to fall in love and it happens and creates a nexus event now everybody fucking turns into bill nye the science guy and they want fucking answers and i'm telling you it's fucking love why can't it why can't i just give you the fucking dr ruth answer it's fucking love they want to fuck each other i mean it's just in episode two fuck the rules in a in an apocalypse that it doesn't matter. They've been lying to us this entire time, Tristan. <laughs> the fucking TVA are a bunch of liars. And, and I don't think that they ever expected two Lokis to fall in love on Lamentus One. And it happened and it created a Nexus event. And I, I don't need fucking Bill Nye the science guy to explain to me why. I just, this doesn't, this doesn't negate the episode two stuff at all, in my opinion, either. It's, uh, it's just that you can't like crush two butterflies before an apocalypse isn't going to make a meaningful enough change. But two Lokis falling in love, which has never been on any timeline, is a very unique change that wasn't branched or mapped out before it happened. Yeah, so well said. Or not that thing changes any time has nothing to do with nothing. It's the fact that it's a possibility that no one ever predicted would happen is what makes it a nexus event. Not that it's some time altering time shifting thing. So I think both things are still true. 
I agree with that, man. I agree with that a hundred percent. Yeah. Like you, you know, Loki, when he went to the, went to Pompeii and he started setting the goats free and he said, we're from the future. That was such a small thing, but like what they did was just like such like a, a huge thing Two Loki's falling in love. And there's some like real change going on in their hearts. You know what I mean? Like Loki even expressed to her in a previous episode and in this episode that he's never felt this way before. And it's hard for him to express and, and, uh, to, to even, you know, tell her how he feels like that's like literally right before he got pruned. But, Oh my God, it's been kind of like driving me nuts with like the fact that people just can't understand not, and I don't fully understand it, but I do understand that. Yes. It, I believe 100% it was love that did that. I, I don't even think there's an argument. I mean, I thought the episode, like, it was just right in your face. I mean, that's how they got plucked. I was, I was never confused. Yeah. I, I was I never confused it was about it. Question. I, yeah. I it was just the beat of the story. So, yeah, I, it's time travel, though, and people lose their fucking brains. A lot of people have a hard time, like, you know grasping stories when it comes to stuff like that well a lot of people have a hard time when it comes to like you know fucking as huey lewis would put it the power of love you know in any form of media (laughs) people get upset when and i do too certain there's certain times where it's just like that was not earned that was not earned when they use like the love card or something but i feel like in this instance i felt like it was earned yeah, we spent two episodes with these two characters being together, the majority of the episodes. So I, I agree with you. I think it was earned. I think it was earned. And I think it's, you're going to It's ha- like real nar- He's a real narcissist, too. Like, that's something we know about the character. And who who more is he going to fall in love with than a female version of himself? Well, sure. So it kind of works both ways. Yeah. And, it's a, it's a narcissism. <laughs> so, uh, we... Uh, they, they, they're brought in to the TVA, so they get their, they get their, the, the, the time doors and they go through and they're brought into the TVA. Uh, then Loki is thrown into like that, uh, that prison and we get the Lady Sif scene where he's <laughs> punched over and over again in the balls. And it was cool to see Jamie Alexander back as, as Lady Sif. And that scene was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. we also get a scene with Mobius and Ravona and, they're signing the paperwork for the Lokis. Did you guys, did you guys notice that they signed with the Franklin D. Roosevelt pen and Mobius again shoots down a look at that pen? Doesn't say anything, but he like stares down at that pen. He gives it a look. That pen is coming back. Oh yeah. yeah. It has some significance. Um, he's noticed it twice. I mean, there's some indication that all the variants have some semblance of their past life in their memory somewhere, you know, because obviously he keeps mentioning the jet ski and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's some sort of familiarity to his past somehow. Well, I, th- I keep thinking, like, what are the two things that he doesn't remember in that room? And one was the San Diego snow globe and the second was the pen. What if he's from San Diego and he was a teacher at that school, Franklin D. Roosevelt High School. Hmm. He seems like a teacher type. I think that's a really cool prediction. But it's like the two things in that room are... 
I think like, you know, we know Ravana likes to keep these kind of like trophies from variants. What if she has trophies from variants that work in the TVA in there as well? You know, and it's like Mobius would know where all, you know, like, but I guess like, I guess the, the, the snow globe is supposed to be from the other analyst. So that she has that we haven't met. So she says, she tells, you know, Loki, I think it was in the first or second episode that, you know, you're not the only analyst that works for me. And so I, I was the first, it might've been, but, um, so, but I, I keep thinking like, I still am on this like track that this train of thought, excuse me, that the other analyst could be a Mobius variant. I believe that even more than ever now, ever since you said that, I, I just really feel like that's our ticket to seeing Owen Wilson again and that we're not going to have two more episodes without ever seeing that character again. Uh, okay. Let me, let me just talk about this real quick. Well, I mean, we're definitely seeing Owen Wilson again because in the trailer footage, if you compile all the scenes that we haven't seen yet in the first four episodes from the trailer footage, there is a scene of Mobius driving like a, it looks like a like a like a all-terrain vehicle, like a Jeep or something. And he's and I'm going to talk about this later, but he is driving in a scene. And we'll talk about that later. So we are going to see him again. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm definitely agreeing with the fact that it may be a possible Mobius variant that uh that is the other analyst because I think that kind of ties into the whole um glass um you know being set without the coaster and leaving the rings on the the table multiple times. Yeah. You know, I yeah. think that might be that might tie into that. Yeah, she's talking about like how he's left it there. He's like I don't remember, you know, making these leaving the drink there, leaving these stains. And maybe she's confusing him with the other agent, the other analyst, excuse me, you know, the other Mobius analyst. So, yeah, just, it just makes sense that they would all do the same thing, you know, and have the same, uh, quirks and mannerisms. So they probably all place their glass there and leave that ring. And he probably notices the snow globe because, you know, maybe it has some tie to the other analyst, but also a tie to himself as well. Yeah. So, Hunter B-15 is guarding Sylvie and makes it a point to to visit her because it's still bothering her. And remember, going back to, I think it was episode two, where she was enchanted and she did have this look on her face. Like, she had just... Like, like, like a, like a revelation. Like she, she was just like in shock of like what had happened. And, and so now she wants to confront Sylvie about those, you know, about those like thoughts, those memories. And she's saying like, you implanted those into my head. She's like, no, she's like, I can't implant memories. I can only go through memories you've had in your past. Like we can only go through those, those memories that, that exist from your past. These are your memories. I can't implant memories. And she wants to see him again. And even though it's raining, you can see tears coming down her, her face Mm -hmm. and she's crying. And, and she's like, 
I looked happy. Uh, my prediction, what I would love to see in the next episode is it starts with the cold open of B-15's real life. Just a cold open of like where she came from. Uh, did she die? I can't remember. No, she's not dead, no. is she? No. Okay. No. Yeah, that, I think that, that's very possible. That character is definitely going to come back into play in one form or another, I think, at some point in the next two episodes. Um, I think that'd be really cool. I'm really fascinated in seeing more Renslayer flashbacks, too. I'm hoping we'll get some of that. Uh, I, yeah, I am, too. Because, like, what um, is her past? Is her past? Anything? Yeah, is she a variant? I mean, at one yeah. point she was just a TVA agent herself, as we saw in the cold open. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was she was a hunter. She was a hunter. She worked her way up. Um. We also get the you know Ravona tells him uh, Renslayer tells Mobius to go work as Loki, and we get this whole scene between Loki telling Mobius that you know the TVA is lying to you, and um. And, uh, he doesn't believe Loki. Um, Mobius knows something's up and it's like, I think, I think it was starting to get into his head. Even when, even when he sent Loki away, I feel like Loki was still kind of, this was different. Even though he knows Loki lies and he tries to trick people. I think that uh, he's still such a company man though. And he wants to like shut it out. Um, but I think a part of, I think it was kind of digging at him, man. I really do. And, and the fact that Renslayer keeps lying about C20 and saying that, you know, she died, you know, she'd lost her mind. They had to prune her. And, um, I don't know. I love the scene where he got the temp pad and he found everything out. And I love the, I love how the, the digitized like Game Boy kind of look on the, <laughs> the graphics when he's watching the playback. I thought that that was super cool. Yeah. And the whole look Slayer gives to the camera. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. catches it like, oh shit. Did you notice like the wood grain on the, if you're looking at like the actual pad of that, of that, of her temp pad, it had like the 70s like wood grain that you would see it like on the old TVs or on the, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Like on the old VCRs as well. I, I love the seventies kind of like aesthetic. Seventies aesthetic with all this like futuristic tech. I absolutely loved yeah. it. Yeah. But poor Mobius. I mean, he, this was his life's work, so it took a, a big leap of courage for him, even with the facts presented to him, mm -hmm. to go ahead and do what he did and find out what was really going on. Well, and I, I thought it was a really cool turn for the character. It was cool, and I think, like, dude, I honestly feel like there's kind of like this, uh, kind of like flirtation between him and Renslayer in past scenes, and like, that just kind of like went away. I did see, like, when she said prune him, there was kind of like this look of like, sadness from her, it felt like. But then on the flip side, it's like, when I saw, um, when I saw her deny, um, Sylvia, like, why, why, when they're in the elevator and she's like, you know, why did you guys pull me out? Like, what did I do wrong? And she wouldn't tell her. She had like this grin on her face. She's like, I don't remember. And she said it with like this smirk on her face. 
So it's like I I don't know yeah, what she's heartless and ruthless, man. I, is I, she is she just heartless and ruthless? Like, so there was no remorse for like what she did with Mobius. Is that what you're saying? Because like I'm trying to figure that out, man. I think there was remorse for what she did with Mobius. I we're missing like one piece, like of the what she has to gain from being involved in all of this piece. Like obviously something's potentially been promised to her. She has some kind of justification and it ends to a means for why she's doing this but and i agree with brian i think there was a a small level of flirtation between her and mobius i mean she seems legit disappointed that he's ready to bolt and not hang out more in the office like she even like there's even a line where she's like what you're not going to stay for another drink yeah like she definitely enjoys his company and his companionship i don't know if it's due to loneliness or some actual small romantic connection between these two characters. Well, I definitely felt like he had romantic kind of like feelings towards her. And I don't know if she like let on as much that she was as interested in him, but she could be, I don't know. Cause like, but, but he always had like this jealousy when it came to like the other analyst. And like, that's why even in this episode, he's like, Oh, okay. Finally you admit it. I am your favorite analyst, you know? And, and, uh, it was kind of exciting. For, it's kind of an exciting moment for him too. It's like the first time where he's going to be able to meet the timekeepers. Like he was going to be there when both of these Lokis get pruned, which is like super fucking barbaric. It's kind of like uh, <laughs> when you think about it. It's kind of like you know when you would when they would watch people getting you know the like put to death, like the death penalty and stuff. You know, like oh we're gonna you know watch them with the electric chair, or like the lethal injection. Um, oh, so yeah, you get to watch your Loki get pruned, which I don't, I don't know how excited I could be about, about that, you know, cause like they firmly believe that once you're pruned, you're dead. Like you're yeah. done. That's the end of existence for you. And that's clearly not what happens. So we'll talk, but we'll talk well, about that. Yeah. Yeah. We can talk about that later, but I was going to say, um, you know, as far as Renslayer is concerned, I think she definitely has a connection with Mobius, but maybe the fact that there are multiple Mobiuses makes that one dispensable. You know, he's no longer in line, so get rid of this one. There's other ones, you know. That yeah. Can, um, yeah. If, if there are multiple Mobiuses, Mobis, they call them. <laughs> um, let's jump to, let's jump to, um, Low, okay, yeah, so yeah, Mobius gets pruned. Mobius gets pruned. And um, right before he gets pruned, he's like, you know, I hope I go back to, you know, where you took me. Maybe, maybe, maybe I had a jet ski. And then they, she said. She kept asking him where he would want to go in time. Do you think she was testing him to see if he remembered where he was from? Because she asked that question like three or four times. I think she knows, man. I don't, yeah. I don't know if it was. What do you think, Jake? How do you interpret that? Interpret that? I, I think you're both right. I, I think I agree with you, Brian, that she knows what his real deal is. But I agree with Tristan that these are leading questions to find out if Mobius has like figured something out. Mm. Like she's nervous that he because so much is willing to crumble. Obviously, it's a big deal if these TVA members find out their variants, and I think that's where her line of questioning comes from. She's nervous that memories are coming back potentially and that she could be overthrown once they find out they've all been kind of kidnapped and brainwashed. So I think it's a little bit of both. If you follow me. 
Yeah, it seems like that's the line of questioning that you give to determine whether or not they're compromised. You know, um, is there a place in time that you would want to go? And if they mention anything that's about their past, you know that they know about it. Hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. And, but I agree that she knows, like she she knows the answers and what his past life was well, like. Especially if, she, if, yeah. the, if the snow globe is, you know, like from his from his past like if he's from san diego if that is like a trophy of one of her variants and actually a variant that she has as an analyst then she 100 percent knows if that's the case you know having him sign with a pen imagine that having him sign these documents for the tva with the same pen from the same high school he possibly taught at how fucked up is that <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's like an shit. extra fuck you yeah that's some cold-blooded shit man yeah that's fucked up um i want to this is i've been dying to talk about this this is loki and uh sylvie when they meet the timekeepers and you go in there, i'm just like holy shit dude they're doing this this fucking timekeepers i can't fucking believe it man <laughs> i had this whole theory about you know i had a theory about kang at one time i kind of like abandoned the kang thing and then i had this theory about oh they're going to come across old man loki and it's going to be richard e grant and he's going to be the one behind the tva and then we see these fucking um timekeepers and i'm like holy shit i can't believe they're actually doing this <laughs> and um then we get this whole kind of like uh you know uh, hunter uh b15 shows up unlocks the the they can't use the the re the rewind I can't. Oh, the time twister. She unlocks their their neck braces. Those neck t- that neck technology they have. So now they can't use the the time twisters anymore to rewind them and control them. And so now they're fighting with these TVA guards. They're fighting with um, Renslayer B15s fighting. And I wonder if there's a hunter called B52, Jake. <laughs> he's he's the rock lobster. Yeah. So um but they so then now they're all fighting and it like it reminds it reminded me of um The Last Jedi in the Snoke room where totally Ray and and uh Kylo are both fighting against the Red Guards and it felt re- a lot like that. And then and then we get towards the end here of this fight and uh Sylvie throws her dagger, it cuts off the head of the center timekeeper, and reveals that they're fucking androids. Again, that also is kind of like aliens too. There's fucking androids and aliens. A lot of aliens. And and, and it's, it's even more kind of like Wizard of Oz. We've talked about Wizard of Oz before. You know, it's like, you know, this is like the great and powerful Oz. And of course, there's a man behind the curtain here. Because like, we think we're looking at these actual timekeepers and it's actual, it's all smoke and mirrors bullshit. And so, yeah. Um, I also wanted to point out, and I had you guys listen to it. Did you guys hear it? Mm-hmm. It's very yeah. spaced out. I too. I actually had to listen to it a couple times to finally catch it. But once I caught it, it was unmistakable. It's like, see. Well, hold on. Let me explain you. what it is, Jake. I haven't even, let me explain what it is. When Sylvie cuts off the head of the timekeeper, the center timekeeper, that's at around the 40 minute, 20 second mark. 
That's if you want to listen to this, start there. And then about five seconds later at the 40 minute, 25 second mark, if you have headphones in or if you're watching on a, or if you're watching it on a TV, you have to listen very carefully, but you hear in the background, you hear the words very softly, see you soon. And so spaced out just like you did. Yes. Yeah. So somebody is definitely watching, you know, watching them, playing with them. And, um, but, uh, yeah, Tristan, did you hear it? I could hear it. Yeah. 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 It took me a couple of times too, like Jake, but, um, yeah, like about five seconds after that mark, um, you hear it spaced out. Um, I think it's when he's helping up Sylvie from the ground or something like that. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I mean, there's no way for me to make out the voice, like who it is. Jake, it could be Kang. That could be Jonathan Major's Kang, for all we know. Yeah, it's very whispery. I, I don't think you're, there's no way whatsoever to make out who's possibly talking. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But somebody said, somebody definitely said, see you soon. It's a hundred percent in there. Um, it's crazy. You think we'll know the answer to that by the end of this series? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, who's behind the TVA? Just hope it's not. Yeah, I just hope it's not a post-credit scene at the end of the last episode. I just, I, I have, I have to. You have to think that we're going to find out who's behind the TVA by the end of this series, right? You so, is the voice so. saying "see you soon"? You think is definitely the person that was controlling the timekeepers? Yes, I don't think it's. Well, I mean, it probably it may it may have come out of one of the. Yeah. I don't think that why would the why would the android timekeepers say see you soon? They've just No, been... no, I, that's not what I'm saying. Okay, I don't the, the the other alternate I I thought was this could potentially be one of the other alternate Lokis kind of foreshadowing that they're going to see, you know, Loki soon. Oh, I never thought that. I thought it was definitely who's ever in charge of the TVA. Oh, for sure. That's where I lean towards, but that was just like another possibility I thought of. Okay. Yeah, I never, I never, I, I never thought it was going to be another Loki. I just thought like whoever, unless, unless it's still a Loki in charge of the TVA, unless it, and the only reason, and the only way that could ever be at this point is if it's a, if it's a Loki that actually looks like Tom Hiddleston that's just older. And I, I don't know. I, I, I just wanted to see Richard E. Grant as old Loki, and we're still getting that. But anyway, yeah, in some form. Yeah, I thought it was interesting too that um, the the man behind the curtain or whoever's behind the curtain that said "see you soon" didn't seem threatened at all, or even dismayed by the fact that they found out about the androids. You know, right. They, I think they were they're laughing when one got decapitated. Oh yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, you hear him laughing. Here's the thing. It's like, and I love the fact that Sylvie doesn't prune Renslayer in this moment. She wants fucking answers. Gotta get some info. God damn it, dude. And that's what, that's what's gonna drive me crazy is like in the next episode, we don't jump straight to those two. <laughs> you know, it's like, fuck. Cause I want those answers. Like, I, I mean, we've, we've only got two episodes left, guys. Jesus Christ. Like they've really yeah, got a lot. This to, flew by. Yeah, we've really got. They've got to wrap this up with two more episodes. It's um, a lot of work, a lot of writing work. It feels like. Yeah, still. yeah. 
Yeah. So then Loki gets pruned. What did you guys think the moment Loki got pruned? I was shocked. I just didn't see it coming. Dude, I was shocked when Mobius got pruned. Yeah, yeah, both times. I think I gasped for both of them. And, like, I just couldn't help but think of that IGN article every time, like, something crazy like that happened. I was like, what the fuck did these people watch? <laughs> <laughs> I was more shocked at um, uh, Mobius um, because, you know, if you uh, prune the main character with two more episodes left, you got to think there's something more to it. So, um, you know, I was I, I just thought something was going to bring him back. You know, especially the fact that we've seen Loki come back all the time. I mean, he says it in episode three that, you know, Loki's strength is surviving. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, he said it. He said it here, too, in this one. He taught, He said that to Sylvie. So, yeah, Loki gets pruned. Or it might have been this one, yeah. Yeah, Loki gets pruned. And, and I want to point out, in the last bonus episode that we did, Nana and I kind of talked about this last week where we, we were thinking that, you know, those that have been pruned might go somewhere similar like like this awakening, like this like this matrix awakening. We kind of compared it to like the matrix. I even heard like, you know, in a previous episode when Sylvie like pruned one of the guards, it sounded like a very digitized scream. Like it wasn't killing him, it was actually just like sending him somewhere. And so I was like, I was like, holy shit. I was like, so when Nana brought that up last week, I was like, holy shit, dude, somebody else is fucking thinking this too. We got to talk about this. And that like turned out to be pretty dead on. Like these people are not killed when they get pruned. They're just transported somewhere else. So Loki wakes up and he's laying in some grass and he sees these four other Loki variants and he thinks he's in hell. And when you see it on, um, uh, when it's uh, at the closed captioning on, it's hell with one L. So it's uh, actually, he's referring to the, to the Norse hell. Um, he sees four different Lokis. Of course he sees classic Loki played by Richard E. Grant. Um, he sees kid Loki played by, Jack Veal. So Jake, we've been talking about classic, we've been talking about old Loki played by Richard E. Grant. We also talked about Kid Loki being played by Jack Veal. Those turned out, turned out to be true totally in different ways than I thought that they would be introduced, but it turned out to be true. So that's cool. Yeah, I I was surprised. Like, yes, we were right, but I never foresaw this was how they were going to show up. Yeah. Extending arms. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Then we get Deobia uh, Opure, Deobia Opure as boastful Loki, who is not from the comics, but he's holding a version of Mjolnir that's made from a truck piston and a piece of train rail. And so, like, what's the story with that dude? Like, is this a, is this, is this a version of Loki that's worthy? Like, I know there was a, uh, a what if comic that was like, you know, what if Loki was worthy? Like, is this like the, is this, is this that Loki? Um, and then we got the fucking alligator Loki. Gator Loki. Yeah. Yeah. I really loved, um, that scene and how it parallels the end of Avengers one, but just sort of from a different perspective. It's a hundred percent the same kind of shot. Yeah. 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 And 
But it's like instead of his captors, these are now his saviors. Yes. But is it is it setting up the same thing? Hold on, let me I'll explain that here in a moment. Um we see that they're in a decimated New York. Cause behind them, to the right, on, on if you're looking at it on the screen, to the right of the screen we see Stark Tower. But yeah. it, it's not the Stark Tower from Avengers 2012. Um, if you look at it, it looks like the kind of like the more recent Avengers Tower because it has the um, the Quinjet landing pad on it. So this yeah. is at least Avengers: Age of Ultron Stark Tower from 2015, but it's also not Stark Tower from uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home which took place in 2024, they added an atrium to that one. And this one doesn't have the atrium. So this is, this is before 2024, but after 2012. So it's kind of like in, it's like in that 2015, maybe to 2018 or something area. So I've seen a few people predicting that where they're at is an alternate timeline where Loki has won the, the New York Chitauri battle. I don't like that at all. Yeah. Yeah, I okay. It had something to do with uh, Avengers One. I mean, just given the the time frame and the fact that New York is decimated, whether it be like that that nuclear weapon that was released um, that Iron Man tossed out into the uh, the wormhole, yeah, it might have something to do with that. Yeah, um, possibly, possibly. Um, when we. <laughs> We get that shot. We get that shot of Loki looking up and it looks like these Lokis are kind of like looking at him just the same way that the Avengers did when they captured him at the end of, you know, the Avengers movie from 2012. And they even throw in a little bit of a uh, Sylvester score from Avengers to kind of like make this mm. point to make you realize that, yeah, these are, it could mean that this Loki meeting up, um, we know that he's going to meet that President Loki later in this, right? From mm-hmm. from the trailers. Um, that President Loki we've seen in the trailers, and he's, you know, um, and it's not our Loki. And I say that because there's a scene from a trailer that actually shows boastful Loki swinging his version of Mjolnir at another variant Loki. And we see our Loki in that same shot, and he's still wearing the same outfit that he's got here. So we're going to see another Loki that looks just like Tom Hiddleston Loki, but is like the president of these Lokis. So I think there's basically there might be like a Loki war coming in the next episode. And maybe these Lokis are trying to form kind of like their own Loki Avengers to fight against like this Loki that's kind of like the leader of the Lokis here, wherever they are. And... I think that we there's a good shot that if Kang is behind everything here, um, this could be Chronopolis. This is the in, in the comics. This is where you know it's the it's the headquarters of Kang the Conqueror. It's located on the outskirts of the timeless dimension Limbo, with access points to all of the time eras that Kang has conquered. Each city block exists in its own time period. So basically. In the comics, Kang collects trophies of different histories he's conquered and puts them in Chronopolis. 
And I also think that Mobius is in Chronopolis as well. I talked earlier about the scene of him driving a vehicle that we haven't seen. Well, if you watch that scene from the trailer, it's Mobius driving a vehicle and he's driving towards the Sphinx and the Pyramids of Giza. But it's not in the desert. There's grass on the ground. It's almost like these, you know, uh, monuments, the pyramids, the Sphinx have been plucked out of time and like just dropped into like this Chronopolis bubble. This, this yeah. world, this world of trophies that Kang has kind of put together here. That's very much a nod oh. to Kang's first appearance too when he, cause he first appears as Rama Tut in an early issue of Fantastic Four before he's even named as Kang. Right. So like yeah. using the pyramids and that kind of imagery is a very much a nod to the first timeline that Kang, Kang ever conquered in the comics. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Mobius is trying to, to find Loki. Maybe, maybe Mobius is driving around trying to get out of there to, to, make his way to Loki or I don't know, trying to find help to get out of there. Um, well, I don't, I really don't know what, what Mobius yeah, he is going to do. might not even know Loki's there. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if, if it is like in the comics and each one of these, if it is Chronopolis and each one of these parts of, uh, of Chronopolis is like blocked off and exists in its own time period, he, he might not know that Loki's even, even there. But I mean, you know, there's sometimes there's little cracks and they can, they can, you know, he's just got to find those cracks. He's a, he's a really good analyst. So maybe he can figure this out. Um, why are these Lokis there? Why, you know, why are these pruned Lokis sent there? Um, in the episode, Loki is talking to Sylvie and he says, you know, he's talking about Lokis and, and um, he says, yes, you know, Lokis lose, sometimes painfully, but we don't die. We survive. So that's one of the things that Lokis are super resourceful. They, even if they die, they come back, like they can respawn. You know, that's how Kid Loki came to be. Um, and they come back. And so maybe like in order to just kind of like get these Lokis out of the fucking timeline and to have them stop creating these nexus events and fucking with whoever is running the sacred timeline. Maybe they're just like, okay, I can't fucking kill them. I've tried to kill them before. All they fucking do is respawn. They find ways of coming back. Fucking Thanos killed this one. And even Thanos in that moment when Thanos fucking crushed his neck said no resurrections this time. Well, what happens? This fucking Loki comes back again. (laughs) So, what is this? So the leader, the this leader, of the TVA, who's fucking these Logies have been causing all these problems for him, was just like fuck it. I can't kill them. They respawn. They come back. They always find a way to fucking come back. I'm just gonna fucking. I'll lock them up in this in this prison. They can't. They won't die here. They're just. They're here. They can't respawn. They can't. They're just stuck here. So I'm just gonna keep them here as trophies. Yeah, I like that. They can't affect time. They can't fuck up my plan while they're in here. Yeah. Well, also, yeah. Richard E. Grant makes the, the statement that uh, you're not going to die unless you come with us. So, I mean, maybe it's just a way to throw them in there to so that they kill each other. You know, maybe there's just no way for them to survive, you know, just being a, a, a planet full of Lokis, you know, because they're not going to be able to coexist. 
Yeah, I, I feel like that president scene, though, kind of, like, leads me to believe that there is, like, one kind of, like, Loki that's in charge of everything. And I also want to throw out that one of the scenes that we saw in the trailers that we haven't seen in the show yet is a King Loki sitting behind, like, a, like an amazing throne. Yeah. I want to know what that's all about. And that, I mean, I want to know what that is all about. But I think like this, this, I think there is kind of like a Loki that's in charge here. Maybe these, maybe these, you know, four Lokis that he's greeted with are kind of like this ragtag group that are like, well, fuck that other Loki. And like, you're the one that can help us like overthrow this Loki. And there might be like a Loki civil war that happens, (laughs) Tristan. Well, you know, this also could tie into what we were talking about earlier. Um, maybe these are the ones with the good hearts, the variants with the good hearts. Yeah. And, um, you know, they're somehow banding together. Yeah. You got boastful Loki, classic Loki, alligator Loki. Alligator Loki, Loki the got, goodest of hearts. The goodest of hearts, dude. I want to <laughs> fucking hug that little alligator. With his little horns. Yeah. I fucking love this episode and it like it threw a monkey wrench into like all my fucking theories, but I fucking loved it, dude. It was so much That's fun. That's what you wanted to do, man. Yeah. I wanted to throw you for a loop. Yeah. yeah, it's fun to be right, but it's also fun to be just excited <laughs> and not know what the fuck's going to happen. I know. I hope it sticks the fucking landing because I, dude, this is my favorite episode of any Marvel show that's come out. And that, yeah. And that includes WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier. Like, um, it's my favorite fucking episode that they've done for these Marvel shows. I, I, I absolutely loved it. How does it rank for you as a series? Oh, well, I can't really do that yet until we get the next two. Yeah, yeah the ending's important. Is, one thing I notice is in these Marvel shows is that they really kick it into gear right in the middle. Like, you know, that episode four. <laughs> Yeah, um, that's yeah. right. When things kind of start taking off, yeah, he, I think yeah. it was Tom Hiddleston was saying like you know episode four and five are just going to be like you know amazing. Like you think you haven't seen anything yet. Wait until you get to episodes four and five. So I can't wait for fucking the next episode. I just hope it sticks the landing, man. Yeah, same here. Um, I mean, it, it's promising given the fact that the the guy who penned the script, you know, got thrown onto Doctor Strange, you know, so he must have yeah. done something good that, you know, that Marvel is very happy with. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? What do you think? Somebody's behind the TBA, and, I mean, I, I'd i be, you know, I love Renslayer. I think Gugu Mbatha Ross fantastic in this. I would be upset if it was just like, oh, it was just like her in charge of this thing all along. I don't think that's the case. I want there to be somebody that we haven't seen yet, whether it be like a fucking, like another version of Loki or whether it be, what if it's like another version of Mobius? Um, oh, that would be wild. That'd be cool though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. or like what if it's, I mean, what if it is Kang? What if it is like it, a lot is, I, I would freak out if it was Kang. I mean, I, I'm just on the edge of my seat to see how the MCU deals with that character. Just one of my all time favorite Avengers villains. Well, so here's I a, would love him to get that much play. I still have my Kang secret wars figure from when I was a kid. So, I mean, I, yeah, I've always loved like the Kang and the, the time travel and, and 
all the, I mean, all the different versions of Kang. And I, you know, Jake, there was a Tony Stark version of Kang. And he's like, I mean, isn't he like, um, Nathan? He's the leader of the Young Avengers, right? Yes. Yes. And so, but Nathan Franklin, is it, is he like the future, like grand, 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 grandson of fucking like Reed Richards? Yes. Yeah. Distant relative, yeah. Yeah. Distant descendant, yeah. Um, who knows how they tied into Reed Richards this time? Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't, I mean, he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to tie into Reed Richards in this. If we've learned anything from Ant-Man, they can change whatever the fuck they want to in the MCU. There may be some continuity, though, but because um, they're both, I would bet everything that the Fantastic Four is going to be introduced in Ant-Man somehow, or at least alluded to. Yeah, I, I keep thinking that too. Like, what if, like, even in the post-credit scene or something? Yeah, or like maybe maybe they got trapped in the quantum realm, or is that just is that lame? No, no, I think that that's a real possibility because I, I can see them possibly playing out the whole '60s vibe thing, you know, where they're just kind of stuck in time and coming out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like sort of like a people out of time type thing. Yeah. I think it's kind of lame. Um, we've just been there, done that. I would feel like they would give us something new. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. A question. Um, do you guys remember back in D23 when they first started talking about Loki? Or it might have been Comic-Con or something. And they showed the scene in 1975 with Jaws. And Loki was standing in front of a theater that was playing Jaws. I do kind of like remember that. I wonder if that's like a deleted scene or if they just went a different direction. Hmm. Is it, it's not something that couldn't, uh, could just be coming in the next two episodes. I just don't know how it would fit in, <laughs> but maybe it's possible. I mean, it's, it's very possible. It, it looks like, cause I'm looking at the, the image right now. It's not the Loki that's a, of the TVA. He's like dressed a little differently. Yeah. I'm looking, I'm going to try to look it up here real quick. Yeah, if you just Google Loki Jaws. Yeah, I did. Yeah, Disney uh, Disney Plus logo reveals 1975 Jaws setting. Yeah, I do remember this image. Even, oh God, even the fucking, the Loki title, like the title card looks different. Yeah, it was before they revised it. Yeah. Yeah, they might have to- totally abandoned that, man. I don't see how that fits in at all. Damn, I was really hoping to see that too, Tristan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was when I thought that the show was going to be like Quantum Leap or something. You know? I did too, man. I really did. I think he, I just thought he was going to be like, I thought it was going to be like fucking him hopping all over through time. Yeah. And On just, the land from the TVA. Yeah, just causing mischief. And it's like this whole like kind of like, you know, catch me if you can, Tom Hanks, Leonardo DiCaprio with him and you know Hiddleston and Owen Wilson chasing them this whole time. That's what kind of what I thought it was going to be. What I, it's what I thought too. I mean, like the, when they showed the scene, the, like the DB Cooper scene, and yeah, like an escape scene, and just like all the different like images we were seeing, all kind of really supported that it was going to be this like cat and mouse through time <laughs> thing going on. Yeah. But yeah, that was very misleading. I don't know, man. I don't know if I, I'm. You know, I feel like I kind of part of me just wants to put all my eggs in a Kang basket, guys. Like, 
I at like this it. point. I'm, I don't know, man. Like, I, I guess like when we recorded the first episode, I brought up that theory, like, oh, the quantum realm, all this stuff, you know, maybe you're in the quantum realm, but time works differently there. And we know that blah, blah, blah. But I had just come off of WandaVision and Mephisto, you know, a couple months before that. And I was like, no, I'm not going down this Kang train. <laughs> Well, at least you know Kang is definitely coming as opposed to Mephisto. Yeah, speculating. You know? It's not a guarantee that they're going to set up like – it wasn't a guarantee that they were going to set up Kang in like the Loki series. No, definitely. So I was like, ah, oh, let's play it safe, man. It's got to be It's got to be a Loki. The show's called Loki. So like the – you know, this – of course the person behind the TVA is going to be the Loki that finally got to rule. I don't know. Part of me still wants to believe that for some reason. Yeah, I really believe that the person that's that's Renslayer's boss is either going to be another Loki or it's going to be another uh, Mobius. I think it's going to be either a Loki or it's going to be Kang. Yeah, to me, it's it's one or the other. That's I'd be shocked if it was a third option. Yeah. But do you think we're if that is the case that we're actually going to have a big bad fight with Kang? At the end of Loki? No. No. No, that's, they're saving that for Quantum Mania. Something will happen though. It'll be the, it'll be the, um, it'll be the destruction of the TVA. Everyone within the TVA will get their memories back. The timelines will be restored. Um, like, what if we find out that there are multiple sacred timelines? Like he's doing this in, in separate timelines that coexist. We've got, you know what I mean? I don't even believe in the concept of a sacred timeline. I feel like that whoever's controlling this is just choosing which timeline he likes the best. Well, what I'm saying is like like all the even the all the other timelines still exist. It's just you have a Kang there and a version of the TVA controlling things there. Or is that no? I'm getting, that's too much. Well, I see I what mean, you're saying, fact, but but because in the comics, Jake, there's multiple Kangs. You know. So yeah, yeah, I just I the sacred timeline is for whatever reason like important to whoever is behind this for a specific reason, right? Sure. It, I I don't buy all the I mean obviously we know now that the timekeepers are bullshit. It, it has nothing to do with like protecting celestials or anything. And we we've like, said that since episode 1. Oh, for sure. We've always known that. Yeah. Now that it's like in cement, like we have, what is the motivation here? What does whoever's behind this care about this particular timeline for? And I, I don't think it has anything to do with it being the sacred main timeline. I think there's some goal that whoever's behind this needs to achieve. And to achieve that goal, he needs this timeline to go off without a hitch. And therefore, it's become the sacred timeline. Right. And anything that could come in and disrupt that timeline and disrupt whatever his end goal is needs to be pruned. Yeah. I think like, yeah, at the end of this though, it's like, you know, Kevin Feige talked about how this is going to have like the biggest impact out of all the shows that have come out so far. I keep thinking to myself, like this has to like, this has to be the show that opens up like the multiverse. Oh, for sure. I, I mean, it, it really ties into like, I definitely think like we talked about this on a recent episode, like that we think the uh, Spider-Man three trailer is going to be coming anytime soon. I could see it coming right after the last episode of Loki. Like I, I'm sure confident this is going to introduce the multiverse where, I mean, this episode made us, it depends. Was seen. It really depends on like what I think it'll come after an episode where that is established. 
So like if that is established after this next episode, we could get the I mean, Jake, we could get the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer accompanying us in the theater when we watch Black Widow. Could happen. Yeah, that would I be could insane. See, I, could, I could see it because this episode was enough. This this episode showed us multiple versions of Loki from alternate timelines all sharing a scene together. Like, I, I think the door is open now for we, we can get that trailer at any moment. Uh, yeah. Like, okay. Here's another question I had. This has been bothering me. After episode, uh, was it episode, uh, yeah, it was episode two. We've got Sylvie who drops all the different, uh, reset charges throughout different, you know, times in, in history and different planets all over the universe. And like the TVA is freaking out. And I thought that that was going to, like, send everything into, like, the red line to where, like, they couldn't, like, they couldn't. Yeah, it's like they've never brought that up ever again. Well, th- that's my main yeah, question gonna... is, is hold on. My main question here is, like, is that coming back? Like, or what, or was it just, like, this big, I understand why she did it. She wanted to clear out the TVA and cause panic in the TVA. That way she would have easier access to get to the timekeepers to take the timekeepers out. But I also felt like on the flip side, like she had created all these Nexus events and they never really came. Like I thought they played it up as like this big thing and like they never came back and even gave us like a throwaway line of like, Oh, okay. All the, you know, hunters and Minutemen went out there and cleaned up these, you know, right. these created Nexus events from those reset charges being sent all over. Like, I didn't, nothing. Like, it was, like, never yeah. addressed again. <laughs> they just kind of cheated like, and moved on to an episode that didn't have anything to do with the Minutemen or the, you know. <laughs> right. right. It, it was, it, there was no question, um, or uh, answered as far as whether it was resolved or not, right? And the only way that we know it was resolved is that no one cares about it in episode four. You know, they're relaxing and having drinks, so it must have been taken care of somehow. Yeah, it was, it was super bizarre. Like, Renslayer's not talking about it to Mobius in the office. They're signing paperwork about the Lokis. Like, there's yeah. nobody's, nobody's getting debriefed about, like, the only right. thing that they talk about is the fact, like, that you know, Sylvie had made it in there and there was a chance that she could have made her way to the timekeepers to kill them. Like that was it. Like nobody, they never talked about the reset charges being sent all over the place. I thought that that was such going to be like a bigger fucking deal and it never came back. Oh, I mean, I thought, I thought it was the lead into freaking uh, Dr. Strange pretty much. Yeah. I thought that they were creating the multiverse in that moment. Like, they're connecting everything. It's branching off. These 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 Nexus events are created, and they're going to continue to branch off. And it's just it's going to be fucking, you know, chaos. And then like nothing happened. <laughs> so yeah, big big wet fart. Like and think of how much everyone spent analyzing those computer screens and all those different timelines and places. <laughs> sure. And, and it's like it all it all amounts to a big nothing. Well, and there wasn't, there was never, uh, like an explanation from Sylvie either to like, okay, yeah, I sent these off so I could clear out the, the TVA. I guess, I guess it wasn't as big, like everybody's fucking freaking out. I guess it was contained. I guess they, they just sent Minutemen out there and they also had their own reset charges and reset that event from that time and it was all cleaned up and taken care of and we're good to go. 
it was just the weird way it was presented to us. I mean, it was presented as like a cliffhanger to that episode. Oh, I thought I thought it was like, holy shit, we're gonna get to the red line and the sacred timeline is fucked and hello multiverse. But no, man, none of that happened. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Big big swerve. I loved this episode though. I cannot wait to the next one, man. It's f- gonna be fucked up though, man. We only got we got two left, and then it, that's it. That's it. <laughs> this happens every time with you, Brian. You get really nervous when there's only two episodes left. Uh, it seems like the sadness kicks in. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's a little bit about like I want it to be great, and then I also like don't want it to go away either because I love these. You know, I love the the week to week, man. It's a lot of fun, and you know, yeah. these are great shows, man. I've had the same attachment to the other shows, you know. It's like yeah. something about the week-to-week format that the, that gives you this sort of attachment to the characters that the movies don't. Well, it's yeah. like it's like when are we going to get to see Zemo again? You know, I love spending time with Baron Zemo. Like, when are we going to get to see right. Zemo again? Like, when are, you know, Cap Four. Yeah, I'm hoping. I'm really hoping that we get to see more Daniel Bruhl Zemo in, in Cap Four. Oh my yeah, god! I, I, I love that that Disney Plus has brought back the week-to-week format on TV, and these shows are just perfect for it. And, yeah. oh, man, it's I can't imagine. It's hard enough trying to dodge what happened in 45 minutes of TV every <laughs> fucking Wednesday, let alone dodge what happened in a season finale for fucking three or four days. Yeah, goddamn. I mean, it's, it's a marketing dream, you know, to have this, because there's just hours, thousands of hours of of marketing, you know, explain videos and stuff between week to week and people just basically sell the show themselves, you know? I don't know how they fucking, I don't know how Marvel, I don't know how Feige does this shit. This will never be done again. I don't think this can ever be. This is like a, this is like a once every fucking 50 years, something like this can happen. This is totally. Yeah. When all is said and done, he may be the most successful person to ever enter Hollywood. You know? Yeah, especially as a producer. I, I, I imagine yeah. him as like Doc Brown in Back to the Future 2 with his chalkboard. Just tying <laughs> all this together. Right. Oh, boy. God, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to look method. at... They have a method that everyone's trying to mimic and and failing miserably. You well, know? It's yeah. Like, yeah. They're trying, like... They're trying, and they're fa- they are feeling miserably. Uh, Universal tried it with their um, Dark Universe, with the you know they started off with Tom Cruise in the Mummy, and they were going to have this whole Dark Universe, and then yeah. you know, and, but they tried to even start before that. They it was that the, the Luke Evans Dracula Untold or whatever. Dracula Untold that was supposed to be the first movie. The 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 it was the Luke Evans. Um, Dracula Untold was supposed to be the first movie that they were doing that with. And then it didn't work out. So they're like, oh, okay, that's not part, that's not part of the dark universe. <laughs> so the dark, the dark universe starts with this Tom Cruise mummy movie. And the, it starts with our first good movie, our first well received movie. Well, it's, I mean, or, he's kind of doing that too. <laughs> or it just he's starts with Tom Cruise because it's like, that's Tom Cruise and they knew it. And when you watch that movie at the beginning, it's got the universal, you know, fanfare and the logo and everything. But there's also like a, it says dark universe 
on it. That was like they were going to have a whole thing, kind of like when you when you watch a Marvel movie, you see like the you know see you see the comic books and like flipping through the pages, you, and then and then it turned into like you started to see the characters and like the moments they've had in these movies, but like they're all like have their own color, you know. It's like you see like the Hulk in green and Iron Man in red, and then you start you know what I mean. You start seeing all these different, and it you know creates the Marvel Studios logo. They were doing this with, yeah. with, with the dark universe. They were like, oh, we're going to have our whole fucking, this whole intro with the dark universe. And it lasted one movie and ended and died there. So. <laughs> yeah, they also had that big, uh, that big group photo too that led to nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I think the closest thing, the closest thing to like a shared successful universe right now that I can think of, and I'm sure that maybe other people can think of something. But is Fast and Furious, and that's yeah, not. Yeah, that's, that, but it's not anything as expansive as what Marvel's done, and we're literally only talking about one spinoff movie so far. I mean, that's it. and we can also kind of say The Conjuring too, but I mean, it's not like a a billion dollar franchise, though. That's true. Yeah, The Conjuring has, but they've 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 made their money, man. But yeah, you know, that's a good one. That's a good one as well. I think it's really cool that it's Marvel that succeeded because the comics were so perfect at that when we were like kids and growing up and stuff like, mm-hmm. it, you know, just got all these different issues every month, but everything's still right. connecting to everything right. else. Mm-hmm. And, and you point, you actually hit on something interesting, Jake, because I think that that was the appeal that non-comic book readers didn't understand. Like we weren't just reading just random garbage. It was all connected to a bigger world and they're seeing that now. Yeah, it's awesome. Oh god. All right, guys. Let's let's wrap this one up. Um we'll see where this goes. Is <laughs> Jake I'm going to ask this question. Oh, I got an email too. I'm going to ask this question though. Jake, is it Kang? Yes or no? If you had is it Kang? Yes or no? I'm going to say no just because I feel like if I say yes and it's not, it, it's going to give me that extra layer of disappointment. So I'm going to pretend that I don't think it's Kang. But I probably secretly do think it is. <laughs> oh man, I'm none of this wishy washy shit. I just if you're saying that, it just just but I'm go, I'm saying it's Kang. It's it's Ravana Renslayer, and I'm saying it's Kang now. I'm saying it's Kang. Yeah. If you read between the lines on what I said, I think it's Kang too. I'm just I know. Don't try to play it safe, man. If we're wrong, we're wrong. We were wrong about Mephisto, dude. Half half of the fucking internet was wrong with Wandavision. I'd say fifty percent of people thought it was also Mephisto, um, and I'm not playing it safe because I'm worried about how I look to other people. I'm playing it safe for my own emotions this time. Because, <laughs> dude, well, you know you're getting Kang, you yeah, know you're getting Kang, so that's good. And they got they got a great actor to play Kang with Jonathan Majors. The guy is like everything I've seen him in, uh, he's been phenomenal. So I don't think we have to worry about. I Jake, if they start, I th- and what's crazy is like you think like if they start him off here, like you would think like oh if they have the character introduced in a TV series he's not going to be that major. No pun, oh, in, I, no I, no pun intended with his last name there with what I said. That's hilarious. But I think like I feel the exact opposite of that. Like, no, I think no, you do too. Like, no, 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 no. But it, no, I'm saying like traditionally, traditionally with TV. Having a character introduced into a show, Jake. Think about. Okay, do you did, would would we have ever thought if they introduced Kang in Agents of Shield 
that he would ever be a major character in the MCU. No, if they still be crying in a corner, I dude, we all would be. But like with <laughs> even with if they introduce Kang in this, I still feel like Kang. Even if they have him just in like Quantum Mania, I think he could go on from Quantum Mania and be even bigger and like lead into Secret Wars. I completely agree. I, it would actually make me feel better about the whole affair if we did see him here. Cause like one of my biggest worries about Kang is that he's going to be this one and done Ant-Man three villain. And that'll just be gigantically disappointing to me. So seeing him here and being the one behind it all really would take that fear away. It's like, okay, they have bigger plans for Kang. Like they didn't do this whole Loki series just to have a prequel to the one and done Ant-Man three villain. What do we like do, man? Obviously. Yeah. What do we do? What do we do? We do we have, do we have Kang, kind of being set up as the big bad villain of these next three phases, four, five, and six? Is Kang our Thanos at this point, Jake? Because I, I, dude, I, I don't want them to do what you're saying and one and done and rush them. Because honestly, I think they can hold back. And I think that they can introduce – see, that's the thing, though, Jake, is I also want Dr. Doom to be – Yeah, you know he's coming. He's coming, and I want him to be a big part of all this. And I think that he's like – you know, when you think about Kang, when you think about Dr. Doom, I think both of these guys could be like on the level of like what we got with the big bad of Thanos. Possibly those two characters could even team up, too. That's something we've seen happen multiple – Multiple, Multiple times, times in the comic yeah. books. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I would love for, at the end of the day, Kang... One thing I like more about Kang than Thanos as a main villain is Kang's a lot more gray. Like, it's not about completely annihilating half the world to save the world. And, like, I, I think Kang could end up being a good guy at the end of the day. There could be alternate versions of Kang. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. In the comics, there's definitely good Kangs and bad Kangs. And I find that really appealing, that it's not just this, like, mustache-twirling bad guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Tristan. And, and that's that's where he differs from Doom. Like, Doom is obviously not yeah. going to end up a good guy, you wouldn't think. No, 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 no. But, man, I would just... I, I worry about... Should we worry about the treatment of these characters or, or, or in Kevin Feige do we trust? But I guess like on the flip side, it's like, you know, how much, well, you know, how much of a villain are you going to, I think they could have just made Malekith a better villain and some of these, they could have made better villains. Um, yeah. yeah, Malekith just doesn't have the like, yes, he's a cool character in the comic books, but in some comic books, legend. in some comic books, like if you read Jason Aaron's run on you know, Malekith, it's really fucking good. So, but, um, okay. Tristan Kang, yes or no? You know what? I think it can be something that's a bit in the middle because it could be a big bad. That's just working for Kang. You think about like Avengers one. Um, I mean, Thanos is pulling the strings, you know, but he's not the big bad. Yeah. So in this situation, I'm pretty sure I would say a hundred percent that Kang has something to do with it. But it, see, well, I think like, I feel like we've already got that character with Renslayer. Yeah, I was going to say the um, same thing. Yeah, it's possible. Um, I just think they're really pushing um, the the connection to Kang, and the fact that we know that he's definitely coming. I mean, we weren't even certain that Mephisto was even going to be a thing. Yeah, right now. yeah. And, and in this situation, it's like we know he's coming in a few. What a year or so? Yeah. So they have to lead into that. 
And, you know, as far as just getting people accustomed to the cosmic side of things and time travel and all that stuff, what better series to do it in than this? Jake, have you ever been more excited to to watch an Ant-Man movie than Ant-Man 3 Quantumania? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't believe it. I, I was disappointed when they announced that that would be Kang's first appearance just because that's kind of my least favorite Marvel series of, of the, whole, you know, the whole lot of them. Even Spider-Man? Yeah, I think even Spider-Man. Oh, you're not I a think, fan of Spider-Man? I don't hate it, but Jake I, has I given both Ant-Man, I think both Ant-Man movies, you've given both of them a taste it, and then I think both Spider-Man uh, movies, Spider-Man movies, you've given uh, taste it as well. So they're kind of like... I, I thought I high-tasted the first Spider-Man and middle-tasted the second. I don't think so, man. I think they're... If I remember, I feel like they were both taste it's. Because I thought we all argued, like, we, we took a lot of backlash after reviewing the first Spider-Man movie, and we had to go on a big high-taste-it-is-a-good-movie tour. <laughs> I'd, I'd have to go back and listen, man. Cause I'm I, not I, sure I, I middle-tasted those the Ant-Man stuff. I, I And I, I've watched them again since, and I, I just, I don't know. They just, it's like the least Paul Ruddy, Paul Rudd movies, and then it's just the lore isn't all that exciting, and, like, the stuff they've done with the character in all the other movies besides his own has been more interesting than, than there. But maybe that'll be what the difference between Quantumania and the first two movies are, because it seems like it's going to be way more directly tied to just the whole picture. Hmm. It's a catalyst. Yeah, they're using that movie to basically bring in all the shit that we're going to see afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I feelings change on stuff, but definitely where I sit now is those are my least two least favorite Marvel movies. God damn. Can you believe dude in a fucking, in like five days for me, man, I'm going to be watching black widow in the theater. Um, yeah. It's, cr- it's crazy. Did it's you crazy. see that yeah. they, somebody they've spoiled the post credit scene. I haven't, I it's online if you want to read what it is, but I'm not going to, I want I'm five days out, man, dude. If, the, if yeah. this was dude, if, it, if this was five months ago and somebody had spoiled the black widow, uh, you know, post credit scene, Jake, I would have been reading that shit, but I'm five, yeah, I'm five days know. away, dude. I didn't know. I, I actually am going to look on break. You go ahead, man. You go ahead. <laughs> I'm, dude, I'm five days out, man. I'm five days. I can wait five fucking days to see this shit for the first time. But if I it, mean, I, mean, I, I get it. That, if I, it was five months ago, I want to know. But, but I'm so close. Knows what I can't wait for is an entire credits roll to watch another scene. So I'd rather just uh, find yeah. out what happens now. <laughs> yeah. Jake just wants to leave the theater when the credits. Correct. Start. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got it. We got an email here. Um, it's from Jerry in Niceville, and he says, uh, "Would you date a variant of yourself?" Tristan, would you date a variant of yourself? You know what's crazy is that I tell people this all the time is I would never fucking date myself. <laughs> and like I, I I just wouldn't. No. I could I couldn't stand myself. <laughs> why I wanna know why. What what is it what is it about you that you would not want to spend time with yourself or date yourself? <laughs> I don't know. I just feel I can be an ass sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, hilarious. I'm being honest, <laughs> Jake. Would you would you date a, a variant of yourself? 
zero percent chance. I uh, yeah, I I can't even imagine. We would annoy the shit out of each other. <laughs> <laughs> How long do you think a conversation between a variant of yourself would last? Uh, how long would the conversation last before I fucking ran away? <laughs> <laughs> so not long. Yeah, not long. Not long. I, I guess the only nice thing is if we went to see a movie, we'd both want to leave at the same time. Oh, man. I Part of me, part of me wants to say yes, because like, it would be like the one person that would like understand me you know like so it's like yeah after after sex we could just literally go to bed (laughs) (laughs) it could be depressing though that's the way i like it could be like oh great i can see why no one would want to fucking put up with my shit i can't even put up with my own shit (laughs) (laughs) oh my god you would yeah dude that's true it would be even more self-loathing yeah, like, that, oh my god. I would be afraid of. <laughs> this is what fucking people get from me. Oh my god. What the fuck? I am a nightmare of a human being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck that shit. If I ever encounter a variant of myself, I'll probably just murder it, Jake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would love to play a few games of magic with it, but after that, I never want to see it again. <laughs> I, yeah, this magic jokes. Okay. Um, not even, it wasn't even a joke. <laughs> I, I know. That's what's even it weirder. It has to be funny to be a joke. No, it's just like, it just, just back. It, you just go, you, you go straight to magic, Jane. <laughs> well, yeah, I want to, I want, who's more, I, I want to play myself. Which, which version's going to win, man? I don't, I don't understand this at all. <laughs> 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 that that line of thinking I don't get. You and Joe Stark and a few other people are just like, yeah, man, I I would love to play a hand of magic against myself. <laughs> I'm just, I am Jake. You can try to explain it to me. I will never understand. Oh, no, 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 shutting up, sir. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's it. That's it. That's all we got. We'll be back next week with episode five. Tristan, thank you for joining us for the. Uh, Loki bonus. What? Hey, what did you yes, think sir. about the other episodes? I never asked you. Um, I've been enjoying the show. I, I have to say, this is the best one for me. I think last week for me personally was a step down. Yeah, but this one brought yeah. it way the fuck back up. I agree. I I hundred percent agree with that. I feel like I feel like I'm last week. I gave it a high taste. It, and it, it after this episode last week still sticks at a high taste. It's still good. At, it's still a really good episode. Great episode of TV. But man, this one, this one was like fucking perfection. So, all right, guys, we'll be back next week with episode five. See ya. Latest. See ya. Oh. <laughs>